All right, welcome to the second episode of the Annapolis Christian Academy Warriors podcast. This episode will be specifically covering questions frequently asked by new grammar school parents. And grammar school will include pre-kindergarten classes through the sixth grade for those that are new to Annapolis. We call that age range the grammar school. Uh, the questions and answers today will focus predominantly on those that are in kindergarten through sixth grade, but we will also have some questions that cover issues that are common across all of the age groups. So we're here with Mr. Travis Lockyer, who is both a co-head of the academy and also the principal of the grammar school. So Mr. Lockyer, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Let's first start off with dress code. We have new families coming in. They're going to have questions about the dress code. And a lot of times they're going to be coming from schools where the dress, the dress code might have been casual, it might not have been enforced, and it might not have had a purpose. Let's talk about the Annapolis Christian Academy dress code for a minute. Yeah, when we as a family decided to switch, probably the most shocking thing that we had to tell our two boys was you're going to have to wear a collared shirt every day. And uh, on Wednesdays, you're going to have to wear a uh, tie and jacket. Um, they about hit the floor. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it is different. But one of the things that I've noticed as I was thinking about this is the first day of school for, for kids is, there's a lot going on, obviously with the whole school thing, but just socially there's a lot going on, especially the older you get. And I remember as a principal of a public school, kids came in with the newest clothing, shiny shoes, and then you had kids that didn't have any of that, that were hand-me-downs, or even wearing the same thing that they wore last year, heaven forbid. And you had already immediately these, these dynamics going on that were generally negative. And having a, a, a uniform where everyone walks in looking the same, uh, having the same uh, standards of dress is so much nicer. <laughs> it's so much nicer. Uh, you're not dealing with uh, just the jealousy and the, um, the other social dynamics that, that come with all of that. Mm -hmm. Plus, we do want everyone to be on the same team. Like when you show up for a football game, everyone's wearing the same uniform because they're on the same team. Mm -hmm. So we want everyone to be on the same team and we do that by defining ourselves through a uniform. And, um, and I, I think it, it creates, again, that intentional community that we've been trying to build. And this is just one of the ways that we do that. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, typical um, kind of everyday uniform is our, is our polar, polo top, uh, khaki shorts or, or pants. Um, athletic shoes, and then on Wednesdays is our chapel dress, which is um, a more formal dress, uh, the more formal shoes. Many kids, um, boys more than girls, will change into uh, recess shoes later in the day, but on that Wednesday, the shoes are a little, are different, they're more formal, but the other days of the week, they can wear their athletic shoes. Uh, that's the one question that we get, but they can wear those athletic shoes and um, so they can hit recess and PE hard. I know for our family, there have been uh, times when we did not have all of the necessary uniform pieces or enough of them in quantities that we could make it through 
a week or so without having to do laundry every day. Is there a space available here at the school for new parents to search for uniforms if they're not able to acquire them through the approved um, uh, sellers of our uniforms? Right. We have two vendors of uni uniforms. We have Land's End, which is a, a, an online vendor, um, and we have now this year, starting this summer, Academic Outfitters, which is a, a, a local business in town that sells our uniforms. But we also have something called a swap closet, which is where as kids grow out of clothing, they, um, they will donate the uniforms for free and you can pick it up for free. And it's a chance to, um, quick, easy way to, to grab uh, those extra shirts and pants and chapel ties seem to go pretty fast because people <laughs> seem to lose those and um but that's a nice easy way to to get kind of stocked up in the meantime until you can go order them or go to the store if a student shows up without uh out of dress code and particularly we find like belts uh, being forgotten often or chapel days they forget a, a suit jacket we do show some grace at the beginning of the year uh, we want kids to, to love the standard and not feel like this is an oppressive thing. Still holding them accountable, but we can show them some grace. Um, but we will send a reminder home or call, the, call parents and family and let them know that that was forgotten. And we will generally try to find something in the swap closet uh, for them to borrow. But um, there's a swap closet both in the grammar school and there's also one if you have bigger kids in the high school too. So uniforms are often one of those issues for new parents that uh, they dread for the first day because they're not sure if they get it right and um, having some direction certainly helps with that. What other issues come up uh, as frequently asked questions for parents relating to the first day of school? A big one is school supplies. We have our, our school supply list. We have um, we have now have a product where you can buy the school kits and they're already here, but not everyone wants wants to or has a had a chance to do that. So they come to school with their arms full of stuff and paper towels and Kleenexes. So we do have a system to organize them. So as they come into the cafeteria on the stage, you'll, be, you'll see piles of things starting to form. The Kleenex boxes, the paper towels, um, those kind of cleaning products are all kind of stocked up on the stage. You can just stockpile accordingly. All of the other items you're going to take to the class, and the teacher will direct the students how to, um, you know, how to label them. Um, there's there's folders, and, and teachers are pretty particular as far as what specific things need to be done. And um, we also know that sometimes things get forgotten or misinterpreted, so um, the teacher will let families know if they brought a red folder instead of a blue folder, and those kind of <laughs> uh, those kind of details. Um, it's it's not a big deal uh, working with families, making sure they get everything. Um, that they needed. One of the nice things is, is parents and families and students can bring school supplies on that Friday back to school night. So the, the first day of school, again, it's overwhelming and then you got your backpack loaded with, with stuff. It's a way to relieve that. So on Friday mm -hmm. before school starts, you can bring those items to the classroom, um, put it in your desk. It helps relieve some of the burden of that first day of school. What if my child has allergies or needs to take regular medications or what about things like um, emergency, emergency contacts and that type of information? What do we need to do as new parents in regard to medicines, allergies, and emergency contacts? So there's some, uh, there's, there'll be paper forms that come home and they'll have um, 
there's one specific one as far as allergies. If that if you have a student that has a severe allergy, more than just like a seasonal allergy, but something that is that as a school we need to be aware of, there's an allergy plan that we can come up with. So we get um, there's a form to fill out, some doctor information, and then it's if it's something that we need to as a school sit down and talk about, uh, we'll create a plan. Um, I have. You know, I have two boys that have food allergies, and so we come up with a food plan. We meet with all the teachers and make sure everyone's on the same page as far as um, safety procedures and um, any medication that needs to be administered. Um, having those those things on hand, whether it's an EpiPen or, mm -hmm. or um, specific medication tablets, things like that. Um, if if medicine needs to be administered during the during the school day. Um, that information is also filled out in that form, and our school secretary, Ms. Um, Bunce, takes care of administering the medication to, to students at the proper time. What about some of our communication policies and classroom behavior attendance type, type policies? Let's talk through some of those because those are often questions that we get from all parents, not just new parents coming in, because we have a different um, perhaps philosophy when it comes to classroom behavior and discipline in particular. But we know on the intro episode to the podcast, we talked about parents and teachers having open and regular lines of communication. But what does that really look like from a policy perspective in the grammar school, Travis? I do get that question a lot as far as what does discipline look like here. And again, from a public school standpoint, we had this, this formal discipline structure and kind of three strikes you're out or you moved um, cards over or things like that that were these external uh, measures to help kind of get compliance so that kids at least could make it through the end of the day without you know, hurting each other too badly. It was all external, it was all very rewards based. We want our discipline to be uh, discipleship and it's done in love. And so our, our expectations of how we treat kids, the relationships that the teachers build are all part of our discipline structure. And so um, we have five rules as, as a school. It's obey right away, all the way with a happy heart. Fear God and keep his commands. Honor others above yourself. Do your work as unto the Lord and do everything without complaining and grumbling. And those are the overarching expectations of what we want kids to, to, to do and they kind of infuse in everything that is being asked of them from um, simple getting out your textbook and doing it without complaining or grumbling to uh, lunchtime and picking up something that wasn't yours on the floor. Um, all of these things kind of fit together with this, this idea that we want um, to give kids a love of God and love for others. And that's really what our rules and our st discipline structure are based on. We also expect kids to be uh, good-mannered and show good etiquette. We expect boys to hold the door for girls. Uh, we expect the girls to act like ladies and boys to, to grow up to be young men and gen to be gentlemen. And so all of those things are, are expected of students throughout the day. Again, we want every space of the campus and everything that we do to be done intentionally. And um, we want this culture to be just kind of what we do and the air we breathe and that we're raising up a generation to, to become warriors for Christ. And that doesn't mean that you can separate yourself out, that I act this way in class, but in lunch I act this way, and in lunch, recess I act this way, at home I act this other way. We want them to be 
consistent and that you know in, in a word is character we're mm -hmm. teaching character throughout the whole school day and, and it's hopefully dovetailing with what what families are doing at home what happens if an issue arises in the classroom where the parent feels like there is either a conflict between a student and the teacher or maybe between the teacher and the parent what is the appropriate process that we follow here at Annapolis for working through issues like that that arise? Again, as you, as you think through these conflict resolution, we're not looking at it from a secular perspective of how you, of how you do it. And when you see conflicts out, you know, outside of a Christian world, it's done through blasting people on social media. It's done by bat backbiting. It's done by gossip. It's done by ignoring the person, giving them the cold shoulder. Those kind of things that happen, hopefully outside of the Christian community and church. <laughs> so we want to look at it from a biblical perspective, knowing that we are going to bump into each other because we're sinners. How do we deal with the, that conflict in a, in a Christian way that's authentically Christian? Matthew 18 is the is kind of the abiding principle that we use. And that is I if I have an issue with someone, I'm going to go to that person directly and and talk with them as a brother or sister in Christ with the purpose of resolving the issue, not to blow them up, not to, you know, let them have it, but but to see this from both sides of of the perspective and both sides of the coin and work together for a higher purpose of you know, what's best for the student, what's best for the situation. If that is an unsatisfactory result, then you bring in a second person. That's when you would typically bring in myself or if you're, you know, at 7 through 12, Mr. Hensley. And the three of us working through that. And even if that doesn't get unresolved, then you're, then you're looking to the board and they make a final decision. So there, there is a process to walk through. And it's not to be shortcutted. It's not to be the steps are not to be jumped over because again we're looking at it from a biblical perspective of how we resolve these issues as brothers and sisters in Christ, and it should look distinctly different than than other institutions. What kind of tools for communication do we use for the teachers to be able to communicate with the parents? Is it do we just stuff notes in kids' backpacks, or do we have a more um, formal way of communicating here at the school? Well, we have a blue folder system or folder system that typically from pre-K all the way up until fourth grade, they will get a weekly um, newsletter that'll have all the information for the week, any upcoming events. That's an important piece of paper. And I know that um, in today's digital age, there's a lot of like uh, schools going that route. We still use good old-fashioned paper, <laughs> uh, but we use it in a distinct folder and usually it's in a laminated sleeve sheet. But that's an important piece, so as parents you definitely need to be looking at that because a lot of great information comes that way. Once they get into fifth and sixth grade we start changing and recalibrating things to start putting more responsibility on the students. The teachers will write the things on the board and the, the students are now starting to transition into an assignment notebook. Um, some of them actually will, um, will take a picture with their phone. They're allowed to do that at the end of the day to start helping them become more mature and more responsible with that because they will need to, obviously, the older they get, they'll need to start doing that more and more. So that's when the, that's when the tipping point happens in fifth grade. There's also, uh, from a school standpoint, Facebook and, and those kind of things. Um, but typically, 
most of the information comes directly through that that weekly newsletter. Teachers will email families, um, and those are really the two main ways. Now, teachers are always accessible through point of contact, uh, meeting them like after school or setting up meetings with them during their planning periods, and they can be emailed. Um, and so the teachers are more than happy to talk with you and are very accessible, and we want that to happen. Um, don't be intimidated or, or fearful if you have questions. We're here to serve you as families, and we want that to. Um, we want you to know that. We want you to t- to take advantage of that, and to not be afraid and not to guess and not to assume. You know, is it Spirit Day? Is it not Spirit Day? Those kind of questions become can become very uh, you know adversarial at home. <laughs> so. Um, feeling free to, to use the opportunity to, to reach out to the school, reach out to your teacher, um, and getting that information from, so you have the clear answer and can definitively tell them, no, you must wear your, your school uniform again. Do teachers respond to text messages during the day? Now, it depends. And some teachers are comfortable with giving out um, their, their personal mobile number, and this is, a, this is a, something that teachers, it's, it's up to them. Some of them are not and it's just based on personality. Um, They typically will not answer text messages um, during the day with the exception of if it's during a planned period or a lunch period, they will sometimes do that. And uh, more and more teachers are comfortable with that, but not everyone is, and that's the decision that they make. If they don't give out their their personal number, they will have um, email and they will check that regularly. And that's again, that will only be checked during planned periods or lunch hours or before or after school. If I call the front office and leave a message for the teacher, does that message get to the teacher? It does, yeah. And if it's something urgent, that's usually the best way to, to contact is to go through the front office, call Ms. Bunce, call the secretary. Um, that way you can pretty much, you can guarantee that, that the message is going to be delivered. And if it's something that needs to be delivered right away, it, it'll be done. Do you have someone else on your administrative team in the grammar school that helps with the younger groups of kids? Yeah, Nanette Degay, she's our early childhood director. She works primarily with preschool, and uh, she's the point of contact administratively for the preschool. I oversee the pre-K through sixth, so I'm over Mrs. Degay, but she's the one that will be able to answer questions quickly she's more accessible for for preschool parents just because she's there at drop off and and pick up times so she's a great point of contact for for families what is the what does a typical day look like for a grammar student from the time they get dropped off until the time they get picked up talked about um, in our previous podcast morning time so at 8 20 to 8 30 is morning time and then 8 30 they go to their classroom they will uh, typically our mornings are more of the academic things reading math science those classes typically will happen um, in the morning time before lunch time lunch happens either 11 or 11 30 depending on the grade level and then the afternoon is when uh, they have their literature time they will also have some of their specials so we, we give them a liberal arts education, so the art, the music, the choir, uh, PE, typically happens in the afternoon just as kids need a little more breaks, more time to kind of move around or do something a little bit different, and so we accommodate that by an afternoon schedule, and then at 3.30 is um, dismissal time. 
You mentioned PE, and this kind of draws a question out of the uniform world. Do they have special uniforms for PE in the grammar school? Not in the grammar school. They just need to have a change of um, PE shoes. Now, Wednesday, we do not have PE because of chapel wear. I, I did mention that some students will change into regular tennis shoes just for recess on Wednesdays. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, when they have four days a week of PE, they do need to have gym-appropriate um, shoes. And that's outlined in the, in the handbook as far as just the rubber sole, um, you know, indoor-appropriate shoes. Um, that's usually not a problem with the boys. The girls sometimes like to wear their fancy schmancy shoes, and so they have to be careful to make sure if it's a PE day, they have a change of shoes for that. Let's talk about a little bit about the, the pre-K program itself and the pickup times because those are different in some cases than the regular kindergarten through sixth grade pickup time. What, what time is early dismissal for pre-K and what are the procedures there? Yeah, so our pre-K program is a half-day program, so they're, they're getting picked up um, at noon and so they, parents can pick them up. Then, if you choose to, uh, there's also after um, aftercare for pre-K, that extends till 3.30 and then there's a late aftercare even if you um, are working late or need that opportunity that extends all the way to 5.30. So pre-K parents have a little more flexibility as far as when they pick up students and it's the same pickup procedure. You're going to come to the classroom, you're going to meet the teacher, get reunited with your student there and um, again it's a point of contact for, for you and the teacher to find out how the day went. I think you might have mentioned it, but I might have misheard. Did you say the pickup is at 12 or 12.30 for pre-K? 12.30, sorry. I didn't misspoke, misspeak. So. Um, what about then for kindergarten through fifth grade, since I understand that there's also a different dismissal procedure for sixth grade, but K through five, what do you expect for the parents to do when they come up to school to pick up their kindergarten kindergartner through the fifth grader? They'll go to the classroom again. They'll go to... Um, uh, to the classroom, meet the teacher, and uh, get pick, they'll pick up their student there. Now, one big change that did happen this year is the kindergarten classrooms, both classrooms got removed upstairs. In the past, they've been on the first level. So K through six, then all of them are on the second level. So you have to come up the stairs to pick up your um, kindergarten students. The kindergartners in the, in the uh, what was the art room, and then the room next to first grade, which was the Latin room this past year, are now our new kindergarten classroom. So everyone comes upstairs, meets the teacher at the door, and then picks up your student there. Sixth grade, again, as we try to transition to responsibility, the sixth grade students are dismissed directly from class, just similar to uh, what they'll be asked to do as a seventh and eighth grader. So parents do not need to come to the classroom to pick up their sixth grade students they are dismissed to the breezeway and that's where you'll pick up your sixth grade student. What is the aftercare program and its availability or what is its availability for um, pre-k through sixth grade? As I mentioned pre-k aftercare starts at 1230. It's an extension of the things that they learned in the morning. It's nothing new but they extend some activities. Uh, they also have a snack and nap, nap time in the afternoon. Then at 3.45 is our later aftercare, and that is open to pre-K through fifth grade students. And that is, um, there. it starts inside with some homework help, 
if they don't have any homework, they'll read a book, and then it transitions to going out in the playground, and they finish out there all the way until 5.30. And you meet with the aftercare supervisor to sign out your student, and that's how you're dismissed from aftercare. So as a parent, if I'm coming up to the school to see my children at any time other than drop off or pick up, what do I need to do? The front office, the main front office, is where you'll sign in. You'll get a visitor badge. You have to wear a lanyard just to, um, again, just to make sure that you've signed in. And then from there, you are uh, free to go to the classroom or the lunch, whatever you're uh, needing to go. But we do ask that you sign in, and then obviously when you're done, sign out and return the lanyard. Let's talk about uh, homework. Homework is often a um, surprise to new families at Annapolis because uh, part of our partnership with the families is encouraging our students to also work at home to be able to work with their families as needed. But we do have some particular suggestions for families as, as regards homework. What are, the, what are the suggestions from an Annapolis administrator to new parents who are working through homework for the first time. It was a big of a, a transition, um, just myself and my family coming from public school where uh, there was some homework, but it wasn't consistent, uh, studying for tests and things like that, where um, now there's pretty consistent homework, uh, at least on a weekly basis, maybe not be daily, but on a weekly basis, there's expect expectations with spelling tests and Bible memory, the, the important thing is we as a school are, are continually trying to work and make sure that we have a nice balance of our expectations of, of our students and our families, but at the same time realizing that we don't want to overwhelm them. So we, we have a, a, a general principle as far as the amount of time that we would expect homework to, um, to happen. And you know, for the early grades, it's, you know, it could be 10, 15, 20 minutes as they get up. Um, older, it could be 30 minutes to to an hour, not consistently, but you know you'll have you'll have uh, times and expectations when homework will be coming home, and expect and you should be expecting it on a weekly basis. It is important that you um, that you have a nice space at home for kids to work. Um, it's very helpful to do it right away up front and not to let them procrastinate to the end of the week and Sunday night you're scrambling and. Um, I think we've all felt that, but it, it can cause a lot of stress and tension if you're not diligent as a family and have a nice routine. Once the kids get in the routine and the expectations there, it's much, much easier. And so typically, you know, when they come home, get a snack, relax just a little bit, do the homework before they do video games or TV or things that they, you know, kind of start vegging out with and uh, knock it out that way. What we've found to be helpful from a family's perspective is to try to do it together as a family, to be involved. Um, my wife and I will be part of quizzing them and talking about it, and it, it becomes part of our family routine as well. And that's been helpful to show just the importance of it. And it's not just something that you're, you know, you're stuck in a corner doing and, and we're all waiting for you. Um, you know, it becomes more of a drudgery that way. Um, so. The homework is also designed to be practice, and some of it means that there's gonna be some struggle with it. Mm -hmm. And allowing your kids to struggle with it is an important task and not always be coming to the rescue right away. 
but also knowing that at some point it does tip over into frustration and that's what we don't want to happen. So if you have kids struggling and it's a good struggle, you know, letting them kind of work through it, not coming to the rescue, but if you see that it's becoming, um, it's becoming frustrating, it's taking up a lot of time, that's when you can hit the pause button and email your, your teacher and say, hey, I've had some really hard time with that. Um, this is what's happening. And the teacher is at school till at least four o'clock for that, for that purpose. If, if you need to be followed up with or the student is struggling with something, that's your time to meet with the teacher. It's part of our service uh, to families um, to work with them and to, to give extra help, support, um, remediation as needed. So the teachers are there um, you know, after school and even will come in before school if needed to work with students that are struggling. So yes, homework's there. Yes, it's meant for them to struggle a little bit with. Um, it's, it's, it is mentally taxing, so make sure that you set a priority and set a routine with it. But at the same time, if you're seeing that there's frustration and they're struggling beyond uh, what, what normally should be happening, that's when you reach out to your teacher and, and get the help and support you need. Well, I think this will conclude episode two of the Annapolis Christian Academy Warriors podcast. Thank you, Mr. Lockyer, for your time you're discussing welcome. the grammar program. Thank you.